Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Road. Where we're going, we don't need road. I feel the need for need for speed. Ow! Good morning, Vietnam! What country are you from? What? What? what ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English in what? We love some movie characters, and sometimes the best way to get into the characters we love most is to dig deep into their motives, their calling, and their sense of self. Talk about what they really, really want. This is movie typing where we select, engage, and unveil the intentions and drive of the greatest characters on film. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and personality typing expert. Hello. We're going to be looking at the 1985 classic Clue, this movie. This movie is fun. It's one of the few 80s comedies that you don't have to apologize much for. And for personality typing purposes, it is one of the great ensemble movies of the last 40 years. Look! What? what? The body's gone! Huh? What are you all staring at? Nothing. Well, who's there? Nobody. What do you mean? Nobody. Nobody, that's what we mean. Mr. Body's body, it's gone. Maybe he wasn't dead. He was. We should have made sure. How? By cutting his head off, I suppose. That wasn't called for. We got to a broken down 1946 red Lincoln Continental, and I know nothing about cars. However, look this up. Apparently, all the characters drive cars colored according to their code names, and none of them wear costumes with their colors. In fact, the women all wear the complementary color to their uh, to their names. So Miss White is in black, Miss Peacock, the purple uh, token is in yellow. And Miss Scarlet is in green. I thought that was super <laughs> clever as yeah. a mm-hmm. way in. The woman at the Red Continental postures her body to get the attention of a purple car approaching. And this is Miss Scarlet. One Leslie Ann Warren. So good. Another actor, still working, won a Golden Globe in the 70s. And in 1982, she was nominated for an Academy Award for her role in Victor Victoria. And she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. As she should. Yep. Uh, since we finally covered both of them, Leslie Ann Warren and Martin Mull played Britta's parents on Community. My parents are horrible people. You're being dramatic. Oh, yeah. That's what people say when they take your soul and they rip it out of your chest and they shove it in your mouth. Yep. That almost got Jeff to watch some Community with me. Almost. I was intrigued. <laughs> I think Warren is excellent in this movie, but I'm going to potentially break TJ and Daniel's heart. Do you know who else recently got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? One Carrie Fisher. Do you know who is scheduled to play Miss Scarlet before checking herself into (laughs) rehab? Oh. Director had conversations with her about how she would be able to exit rehab at night and do all of the acting (laughs) and everybody on the cast was convinced that this was going to work and they went to the insurance company and they got involved and they were like absolutely not what are you thinking the woman is in rehab 
I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, but I have seen John Mulaney's most recent stand-up special. <laughs> I don't think that's how rehab works. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this doesn't sound like it has good efficacy for getting healthy. Right. Just work at night. Everybody else so we've talked about who may, like even Rowan Atkins and his wants, sure, sure, it would have been great. Don't care, because nobody's better than Tim Curry. This is the only thing I've heard where I've thought to myself, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to see what that looked like. I mean, I still love what's in the film, but like Carrie Fisher is so good. Agreed. I, I my favorite character is is Leslie Ann Warren in this movie. I think she's fantastic. Yeah, but I, I have two favorite characters in this movie, and she's one of them. Well, let's let's build on that. What do you see, Daniel, with this uh, character traits of this character? I think she is actually the smartest person in the room because she's aware of whatever, like. Half of the characters, she knows their shit. Mm-hmm. Like, she knows why they're also in the room. And she's putting together while why the other three are in the room quicker and better than everybody else is. Everybody seems bewildered from Jump, except for her. And I love that. Um, she seems pretty indifferent to most of what's happening around them even when it's getting really perilous. Yeah, sure, there's some, like, you know, the lights go out and everybody jumps and whatever, like anybody would. But she she, seem, she is the less reactive out of everybody in the big, like, the jump moments when everybody's freaking out. She's sort of, she's indifferent to it as well, like, responds to it with a lot of very dark, macabre, kind of gallows humor. Um, I don't know if it's because of the profession she's in and she's seen everything and she knows that things can be bad, but um, it just kind of seems like her attitude is it'll be what it'll be. And she's so wonderful to watch. Love that. What do you think, Kel? Well, I don't, if we go back to the careers, I don't think that there's many numbers that could be a madam. So I'm just going to throw as you and TJ type them. I'm, there's only a couple that, <laughs> that can be that. And she loves the hot gossip. She relishes it. She gets like literally giddy about tell us more or, you know, how are you doing this? And so I, I agree with Daniel completely. She seems to be the smartest, most capable, least fearful, most confident person in the room at all times, even when things are, are going awry. And she's also like Yvette, you know, she kind of swats away hands, but Scarlet is like, absolutely not. So her, profession might be that she's a madam but she will not be touched or taken advantage of in any way and is just very strong and (laughs) let me just say as somebody who is gender female to do that much physical acting in that silk dress that she is poured into and just like she you know honestly I promise you she was getting sweaty and dirty doing it because Mm -hmm. that's how excellent of an actor and how confident she was in being Miss Scarlet that she is just running around and doing every possible thing and Miss White Peacock and Yvette they all do some physical comedy but no one does as much as Leslie Ann Warren I feel like and she has the most restrictive clothing on and and still just like crushes it because that is who she is she's fine with every part of herself mm-hmm. and is ironic too just from a uh, just a filmmaking standpoint that mrs white is played by madeline Kahn, and the person doing the most physical comedy yep. mm-hmm. is not her 
Mm-hmm. Right. She is very fine with who she is and what she's chosen. She has no apologies and um, and really also doesn't seem to be judging other people. I think she's interested in them. She wants to hear about it, but she she doesn't seem to be judging her clientele even. She's just, she knows what is what. But And I also think only in that gossipy, I want to know things kind of way. I don't I don't see that there's a lot of genuine interest in other human beings beyond like, oh, tell me more about this like kind of sexy, salacious thing. Mm-hmm. Also, this was the character, funnily enough, and this says a lot about me. Like, obviously, we talked about Yvette and her character, but watching this as a kid, it was Miss Scarlet was the character I was like, I had the most like 12 year old crush on mm, more true. so than <clears throat> than than like Yvette, the, the maid. No, I think her confidence yeah. is very crush worthy. She's also kind of mean, which sort of has become a through line <laughs> through my life. <laughs> that fits. That tracks. The confidence comes out in the blackmail scene when other people are kind of ashamed of the thing. She comes out and says, I did what I'm being blackmailed for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ask what she's doing. You can you can cast being a madam in a handful of ways, but her framing of her vocation. Well, to be perfectly frank... I run a specialized hotel and a telephone service which provide gentlemen with the company of a young lady for a short while. You know, framed in a, in a way that ought to garner some praise. I think her physical acting comes almost, it's not just that she's physically acting, it's that nearly all of her movements are about gaining other people's attention. And that's how this starts. Her car is broken down. She sees a car coming up. You see it wash over her. I need to get in that car. She postures her body such that um, the, the driver will see her backside and stop. And she, she gets it. Want a lift? Yes, please. I, the, the last thing is the macabre humor and the wanting the hot gossip, I think actually go together in terms of the to use a different term, the shamelessness that she has or the, aver- the the ability to transcend shameful experiences mm. comes out in those two places for me. So she's not a four. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to recap everything that, uh, something that everyone has touched on in a, in a different, from a different sort of angle, there's... Um, there's a really good and clever and I think uh, insightful perspective given to like madams, not not just not just prostitutes, but but madams, people who have been in this kind of career for a long time and are also in charge of other people in the same kind of career that um, n- not necessarily the smartest people, but definitely the most uh, sort of emotionally intelligent like that the way that the it's it's such a it's it's always so intriguing when when we see characters like this that have a really very clear understanding of who other people are and and know how to flinch away when it's necessary and know how to sort of lean in when it's necessary and 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 not just not really being a a character because i i think that's part of just the nature of being a a, a, in that kind of work the um 
particularly prostitution. It, like you have to learn how to be whatever the other person wants, but also to maintain your own. I can't think of another word to go here that that doesn't give it away. To maintain your own autonomy while also making other people think that they have some sense of power over you. I think that's that's a that's a unique kind of skill that is very well suited to the sex work industry. And I think that that Leslie Ann Warren portrays this beautifully throughout this whole film. I think they're like you can the the crude humor, the um like like all of the stuff that all of you have talked about, the the confidence of of someone who knows who they are and where they stand in the space and and how other people see them as well. And uh, and I, I just yeah, the over and over again, like uh the <laughs> The, the only time we really see her surprised is when Wadsworth is like explains how she murdered the cop and she goes, True. Who are you? Perry Mason. She's <laughs> delighted to be surprised that somebody knew something about her that she didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. Or that somebody figured out something that most people wouldn't see because it's so hidden. Right. Too, right. Which, which I really like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost not even surprise. It's like delight. Yeah. yeah. I put under her motivation that I thought she wanted autonomy, just like you're saying, and novelty. Mm. That's why it's so, even though she's in the middle of getting caught, she's just so glad to not be bored. Yes. It's a new experience. Yeah. And and her, her job is secrets and, and like, like that, that I think is also a big part of, of the, the, the portrayal of madamness that that I think is really interesting and, and showcased really well is that that she doesn't just know people she also knows things about people that nobody else knows not even their wives and I yeah that's 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 what she brings to the table and I also like that she's she's kind of the one that um she's almost the one that's really in charge because anytime they're really doing something she's the one that's kind of stepping in and being like no no no, no. Yep. it's this yeah Almost like she may not at all the same character, but in the same way that like the play or movie noises off the Belinda character, mm-hmm. Mary Lou Hanna's character is the one who's like, no, no, it's this. Yeah. And I and I, I, I love those types of characters, particularly in ensemble comedies, because that's also one of the harder parts to play because you're not just a buffoon like Martin Mull or you're not just the kind of slapstick fall around character like Michael McKean. It's it's a tough thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she's so good. Yeah. Noises Off, another one that might be inspired by this movie. Unless Noises Off is prior. Do you know? Like, the film was made in the mid-90s, um, but Michael Fryan, the, the gentleman who wrote that, had been in the theater for most of his life, and I think that one was made up of things he had seen happen right, right. in the theater. Because that one really is delightful that one's and it's also a lot less about like murder or whatever it is just like it's i'm in a show right now and i cannot tell you how many moments where i've thought to myself this is noises off man like we got an old dude that's forgetting his lines and never comes out on time like we've got all that we've got all the stuff noises off premiered in 82 82 okay there you go back to the arrival purple 1949 (laughs) pontiac streamliner pulls up to miss scarlet standing beside her car and christopher lloyd Pulls up. Great Scott. Want a lift? Yes, please. Thanks. I'm late for dinner date. Me too. Where are you going? Let's see. Hill House, off Route 41. Wait a minute. Let me look at that. 
That's where I'm going. I got a letter like this. Uh, this is Professor Plum, along with Martin Mole and Eileen Brennan, uh, who plays Miss Peacock. Lloyd was on Taxi. So all three of those actors, hmm. Taxi alums. And of all the actors, it seems in this in this movie, Lloyd kind of has the highest, uh, what, fame mark uh, in terms of hitting the iconic uh, playing Doc Brown in Back to the Future. Uh, is it, who? We, uh, what Tim is Curry. the? What's the high point? Tim Curry is higher for Rocky or insane in the seventies. <sighs> okay, you, got, you might have got me on that one. But I would also argue. Now I'm going to have to think about when these movies came. Was this before Madeline Kahn did all the Mel Brooks stuff? Because if if Madeline Kahn oh, had yeah, done Madeline Kahn, sorry, Madeline Kahn's the right answer. And then Tim. Because if Madeline Kahn had done Blazing Saddles and like all of these other things, like Madeline Kahn is Madeline Kahn. Like she'd been doing Broadway, she'd been doing films and television, and like I would say those two, and then Christopher Lloyd. Maybe Brennan, maybe maybe Madeline Kahn and Christopher Lloyd on the same level, but I think Tim Curry is like the superstar. I uh, maybe maybe it's me being a kid of the '80s. The just Doc Brown was such that movie was just enormous. So I, I would I would be curious where where the metric would be for that. But also, my grandma knows who Tim Curry is. She does not know who Christopher <laughs> Lloyd is. <laughs> is that <laughs> just, just to say, like in terms of influence and reach? <laughs> Speaking of Roger Rabbit, Christopher Lloyd plays. Doctor Doom, Judge oh my God, Doom. or right. Judge Doom. <laughs> Doctor Doom is Marvel. That's right. Uh, you got some qualities for this character, Kelly. Only if you say please. <laughs> 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 I can't do it. That's that's hard. Please. You gotta warm up your lips for that one. I know. I'm smiling too much for it. I think he is a little bit more in a box which i think is going to make it more interesting to figure out who he is he's not as all over the place he's a psychologist he's not that full of himself he's very full of questions he's really curious i think that's a main thing to note about him um when they're driving up to the house i think this is really interesting he says she asks why the car is stopped and he says it's afraid. It's afraid. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's a really interesting thing is like you could interpret that as he doesn't understand his own feelings or he doesn't understand. He studies feelings because he doesn't understand feelings or he doesn't get feelings. He's constantly asking questions and he seems not to have like a lot of insights. There was a really good one. I think this is just worth putting in here somewhere about typing a lot of them. But at one point they find Mr. Body dead for the second time. <laughs> He's got new injuries. Well, he's certainly dead now. Why would anyone want to kill him twice? It seems so unnecessary. Well, that's what we call overkill. What we call a psychotic. Which is like spot on, right? So Scarlet is kind of being sarcastic, I think, and jokey, as she always is. Mustard is trying to be authoritative. Like, this is an official term. But also jokey. Like, it's... it's well, it's... I don't know. I don't think he's smart enough to joke. To be honest, I don't, in this, in this, Martin Mull is smart enough, but right. it was Colonel Mustard. And then Plum says it's what we call psychotic. And then Green actually says, Unless he wasn't dead before. What's the difference? And so I actually think that Plum, though, he is a doctor of psychology. He works for the WHO. That's a pretty high position, and you would actually have to be pretty good at your job. I don't know. The last couple of years, can you trust <laughs> experts? I mean, really? Only if they wear tinfoil hats. Um <laughs> 
and so, practice exclusively on YouTube. Yeah. In this, he's he's showing his expertise in a genuine way. He actually is this expert in this, and he never overplays that. He also doesn't really apologize a whole lot or feel that embarrassed about having affairs with younger patients. I think he seems to think that he has made up his mind that this is fine. He just didn't want to get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. So he's he's willing to to keep his, his, or he wants to keep his job, I should say. So anyway, those are my thoughts is that he seems like kind of a what you see, what you get. I'm curious. I'm not overplaying who I am. I'm not over bragging about who I am, but I don't maybe understand all of the things that I study. Love that. What do you think, Tina? He feels very, uh, to me, shrewd and calculating. Yes, admittedly, a little bit inept in, in in several of those moments, but he is, you know, he's been able to really do horrifyingly unethical things with with patients, and still, ha- I mean, he still works for the UN. So, what do you do, Professor? I work for you know the United Nations organization. I think it takes a really shrewd, calculated person to either hide those things or pass those things off as not really that big of a deal. Um, I also put down the the coward thing. Uh, he's the last one into a lot of the rooms, and he's the last. He's the first one out of the rooms because he's up in front of everybody else. And to counter what I said about Colonel Mustard, I feel like he, Professor Plum, is toxi- toxically masculine in sort of a trepidatious, sneaky way. That's a little bit more insidious. Like, oh, you're afraid. We're all afraid. I'm gonna be right here and like have my hands on you in like a comforting way. But really, like this is also kind of a calculated way to like. I mean, that's how. He, it's probably how he took advantage of patients too. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that this is so wrong, and then suddenly you're violating your standards quicker than you could lower them in in terms of ethics. Um, so I think he's one of the more insidious male characters before he comes into the house. We don't see a ton of that in here, but a lot of it is just inferred from hearing about him. Oh, he is handsy. He I mean, is he handsy is. In he the is. house. Yeah. yeah. I love that take. And not at all hiding, <laughs> checking out Yvette. Like everybody else is kind of like side glances, whereas <laughs> like he's, he is literally just like, staring down into what into into this woman the abyss of cleavage i think that's the technical term <laughs> what am i the only one allowed to talk about boobs here we're just no, all just... uncomfortable because <laughs> no my brain thought of like five different things to jokes to make about the title titling something the abyss of cleavage like so much that it just shut down i thought that was a metallica album right yeah yeah <laughs> it's james cameron fan fiction <laughs> First thing on my list is outgoing pleasure seeker. And the shamelessness, I think, comes in, of all places, the sipping of the soup. He is oh He's God. jumping in, sipping the soup, doesn't care, kind of looks to his right, and Miss White. Well, it starts as judgment of somebody else, yeah. too, because Mrs. White does it first, and the look on his face is like, my God, and then he does it, too. Right. <laughs> Doesn't complete the job of diagnosing the death of Mr. Body. Like, we're going to fly through this sucker. Um, or he is intentionally, according to the, the last ending, it, it feels like he's, he's uh, flying through that so that he can kill him later. But given ending A and B, he doesn't complete the job, yeah? Because he's not going to be the one that kills Mr. That, that character. My favorite, my favorite line from him was when he has the match that matches uh, Miss Peacock's, 
and arguably she is 20 years older than he is, <laughs> looks her dead in the eye. It's you and me, honey, bunch. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the voracious appetite is, is all over the posture there. So the that's what I got. one he hasn't sexualized yet. Right. That whole matchstick scene is so good. Nothing is said in that, but just those moments of people trying to match mm-hmm. those matchsticks mm-hmm. together. And everyone getting their worst choice. Yeah. yeah. And like holding the tiniest match up to the biggest, that like per, the first person that Professor Plum holds his matchstick up against is Yvette. And it's clearly not right, but it's like, God, I'm just going to see if just mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I rewatched that scene four times. <laughs> like it's so beautifully choreographed. Like, is there anyone under like 20, I maybe under 30 who would understand the term drawing lots. That's mm, not a, like, right. a very clever thing I'm saying, no, yeah. but I'm just like, no, if you true. told, if you told a kid, we're going to figure this out by drawing lots, would they understand it? So, or I drew the short straw. I don't know if I would have understood it if I hadn't seen that movie. Mm. I'd never drawn lots nor seen it anywhere except for this movie true. as a kid. You got thoughts on this character teach? This one was, uh, I have another list that I'll talk about later that uh, like what essentially what sin I think each person represents because I I think they're also is it murder I think is it murder there's (laughs) in part they're also designed to represent a particular sin Um, and I I had a hard time with him um, with Professor Plum because he I I almost see him as is like somewhat arrogant and and like in in an opposite direction of of uh, what a lot of what y'all have said i i it seems to me like he wants other people to think that he's uh smarter than them like that that he like his his status has to do with the the fact that he is a psychologist the the fact that he works for the un like like he is he is important, he is intelligent, he is able to decide whether or not someone is dead, and the fact that he has a doctor in front of his name means that that's okay, except that he's a psychologist and right. not a real doctor. Um, but even psychologists should be able to tell if somebody's right. dead. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, the a lot of what he's doing seems to be someone putting on airs. And uh, there's, and and he's just not. He might have been at one point, but he's just not as good at it as he thinks he is. And uh, it's so funny that you say that. Just and maybe it's because I work at a university where everyone is always giving you their resume. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is the most humble man ever. We don't hear every five seconds how he's a doctor and this is what he does. I'm serious. I never, I didn't, I thought he was like one of the least arrogant mm. of the characters, but it might be my, sure. um, yeah. my environment that I work and in. And as someone who has a, a lot of, uh, has paid a lot of attention to um, the presentation of psychology in the world, um, I actually see that as an, as the opposite. He's just doing it the way a psychologist would. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Works for the United Nations Organization of the World Health Organization, the an acronym of which is you know who. Yeah. <laughs> 
that um, that's a great joke in there too. When when they're talking about people being crazy or murderers, it's like, but he's like, but you work for the UN, and he goes, oh, you'd be surprised. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> professor Plum, you were once a professor of psychiatry, specialising in helping paranoid and homicidal lunatics suffering from delusions of grandeur. Yes, but now I work for the United Nations. So your work has not changed. <laughs> great jokes. Right. Great, great right. joke writing. This is the the gossipy Scarlet comes in. But you don't practice medicine at the UN. His license to practice has been lifted, correct? Why? What did he do? You know what doctors aren't allowed to do with their lady patients? Yeah. Well, he did. <laughs> Fortuitously, perhaps, I skip Miss White and Madeline Kahn. Only the ones listening are going to get really hung up about this, and I will think about it for the rest of the recording. But <laughs> to, to add her now, um, she comes in, and Wadsworth answers the door. Do come in, madam. You are expected. Do you know who I am? Only that you are to be known as Mrs. White. Yes, it said so in the letter. But why? That great Madeline Kahn. I imagine I could just like... Legendary Madeline Allow <laughs> Mothershed to go on. Give it. What's the bio on Madeline Kahn? One of the funniest women who's ever been on the planet, and also she was an actress. <laughs> It feels it feels reductive to just say she was a genius because because that that like almost I don't think does her justice because she was this she she had like proper acting skills and sort of an operatic uh, operatically trained voice and yet was most at home uh, doing these types of comedy films like anything she did with Mel Brooks whether it's um, Caesar's wife in History of the World Part 1. Oh, Bob, do I have any openings that this man might fit? She's, got some, she's the best part of that movie, whether it's it's um, Lily von Stupp in Blazing Saddles in this like genius parody of um, Marlena Diedrich in Destry Rides Again that like could just be a bimbo, but is not because it's Madeline Kahn. She's, she's the... She is... Um, Frederick's fiance in in Young Frankenstein, and again like that. I believe it's pronounced Frodrick. <laughs> Fiancier, as he says in the movie too. Um, like that could easily be like a write off. Nobody cares about the whatever, and yet she's so smart and sharp Come and funny. On! Oh dear. Well, I guess this is it. Freddie, darling. Well, how can I say in a few minutes what it's taken me a lifetime to understand? My sweet love. The hair, the hair. Just been said. Sorry, sorry. If you look at this script, they give her nothing. And she inserts clever moments, understated clever moments throughout, whether it's the harmony that she starts singing or the way that she giggles or the only improvised line in the entire movie. I hated her. Fl flame. <laughs> Flames, flames <laughs> on the side of my breath. He, he, heaving. <laughs> Kelly, what do you see in this character? Well, I it's, it feels like now I'm not going to do justice to Madeline Kahn if we don't just keep saying how great she was in it. Because you're right, Mrs. White just gets a little. She gets little nuggets of things. Um, she's the wife of a nuclear physicist, one of five husbands. All of whom I, it's it's kind of vague, but 
but and I looked through the script as well to see it, so you all correct me, but they're all dead or missing. Oh yeah, she's a total right? black know, widow. Yeah, like, that's, we know that's one is I... an illusionist who didn't reappear. <laughs> he wasn't a very good illusionist. The nuclear physicist who lost his head. Hey oh. And uh then like three others. The last one and, was just laid on his back. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like hard work. <laughs> yeah. She's very unapologetic about it, um, but she's also very guarded. She doesn't, you know, unlike Scarlett, who's like, yeah, I did it. I did this. Or she just doesn't really ever come out and say that. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, because. No, I've, she says at one point, I've admitted nothing. Yeah, I feel like I because she gets just little bits, I could have missed something, you know, that she. That she said uh, she is incredibly jealous, and she does reveal that at the end, but she wants to hide that jealousy. And she clearly can't stand to feel stuck because she's moving on from husband to husband. So I also, this is a little tangential, but I want to point out that there's a, a Mrs. White and a Mrs. Peacock, and they're both really defined by their husbands in some ways, and Miss Scarlet is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And so I think that's a really important piece of who all three of those women are, that Scarlett is single, or at least we don't know, and she's not at all defined by her husband, but Mrs. White is defined by the husbands that she has killed. She is defined by these other people and her identity of you must have killed your husband and therefore maybe I'm afraid of you, um, but her not revealing much more than that. Even as she's introduced to Wadsworth, it's essentially like a how do you know who i am because i keep things very hidden if if an acting idea is that every character comes into a room and is hiding something this performance like physicalizes that you know most people would just kind of know that internally but there is a sort of like yep like shrunken in to physically to physically protect something that she's that she's doing that is so secretive and it's also nervous like she's she's mm-hmm. gone through a lot of husbands so like yeah maybe you kill one person and you get away with it in rock and roll but if you've killed more than one person i can only imagine there is a nervousness that comes with that of like oh god the higher the body count gets I'm, my my likelihood of being found out seems to so there there's sort of a secretive nervousness with her that that is that is higher than any of the other characters um and I also, I also, there's also a lot of, it, she's so self-contained, like she almost does so many things and then pulls them back. She seems self, it, it, in almost a Bruce Banner type of a way, like self-contained in order to hold back, like a lot of rage that we do get to see in the beautiful, like the, the rage is so much in the flame, fl- fl- like it's, it, that is held back until we get to that moment. Um, and the other thing, uh, and this is in the writing and a lot of her lines. She's the only character. There's a lot of characters that seem indifferent and careless and unkind. She is the only character that to me says things that feel cruel. Hmm. Mm. And I wish I wrote down examples, but I did. But like just her, her reaction to death, her, in, her like, meh, like that seems thoughtless and cruel. I've admitted nothing. Well, you paid the blackmail. How many husbands have you had? Mine or other women? Yours. Five. <laughs> five. Yes, just the five. Husband should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. On the cruel side, like there's that's just rolling cruelty. Yeah, in a way, like Miss Scarlet says things that are flippant and dismissive and whatever, but like that's evil. 
<laughs> you lure men to their deaths like a spider with flies. Flies are where men are most vulnerable. Right. <laughs> That's a great line too. Like the 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 the, the smartness of that joke. On the nervous protective side that's where my mind went first also she seems like uh, that mixture of very self-protective and yet very tough and almost pragmatic um she's obviously ruthless with her disposable husbands she resonates for me i think the biggest thing is she resonates don't screw with me energy in in every scene that like she's a at. black widow <laughs> <laughs> and to, to use an Enneagram buzzword, the, the feeling repression that's at work in some of these lines, I think, is is important if it were the case that we were going to, in terms of my mind, when, when I make a decision here, this becomes kind of key for me. Do you miss him? Well, it's a matter of life after death. Now that he's dead, I have a life. That's kind of a good, yeah. That That is a line like, I do not care about other people's emotional life as it were and as a matter of fact bad things befalling people i don't like allow me to live my best life yeah there you go um and the fact that it's five husbands i think also there's a there's an appetite there that might we might want to name oh that's interesting what you got tj again i'll stand on the outside for this one <laughs> yeah uh, yep. <laughs> You're like, I hate Madeline Kahn. She, is that what you're going to no, say? Never. You will never hear me say that. What, what's, what's happened is the three of us have, have been painting these wonderful Enneagram pictures, and then TJ has this fantastic take that could also be true. Uh, so there's um, there's a very clear sense of her trying to sort of... Uh, to She's keeping the cards close to the vest, but to me, she is doing that in a way to sort of draw other people in it 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 seems to me like it's it's not necessarily like obviously everyone here is a little bit deceptive everyone here is keeping secrets but there's there's a way that madeline Kahn, that mrs white carries herself that is almost like like the opposite of mrs scarlet who is putting her bosoms out there and trying to to gain attention in that sort of way. It seems to me like Mrs. White is trying to gain attention by being secretive, by being a little bit more seductive in that way. Like it's so secretive you almost can't help but be like pulled in. Right. To right. It. The yeah. um the the sort of the the alluring mystery of someone who wears a black veil to a dinner party. Um the and and she seems to me the the one that is the most sort of expressive with her actual emotions uh because she she is so filled with rage with hatred and people do not express hatred very well very often <laughs> uh, lots of people don't have hatred that like are, are very uncomfortable expressing hatred she is so filled with hatred that she she loses her words and and is able to communicate that hatred so thoroughly without saying like without doing it quote unquote well um, she's the one who uh, breaks her glass over the fire and says, "Can we get on with this?" Like, they, like there's, there's an expressiveness to her that, like, the 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 secretiveness seems to me that that it is almost intentional, 
Like it's not that she's being secretive, it's that that she has created a a persona in order to be alluring. So no matter what her number ends up being, the spider metaphor is perfect. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> For yep. all of these descriptions. Yep. TJ, where if you add Mr. Body, do you get your nine? Do you get all nine? No. Uh, because okay. I don't have a type for uh, Yvette, and there aren't nine characters. Well, there's eight yeah, characters. Well, it's nine, if but, you it, include... but if you include Mr. Bob. Oh, yeah. Uh, without Yvette, uh, oh, it's eight if you include. Yvette. If I can, I would have to force Yvette, but I have no, I have eight types for yeah. the eight characters. Bang! All right, well, we'll get there. Last character is Miss Peacock. Introduced as they move into the dining room, and she's the first to really speak. And this seems to be the be the speech that really unveils, you know, some of the clues for this character. Well, someone's got to break the ice, and it might as well be me. I mean, I'm used to being a hostess. It's part of my husband's work, and it's always difficult when a group of new friends meet together for the first time to get acquainted. So I'm perfectly prepared to start the ball rolling. I mean, I, I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here. Oh what I'm doing here, or what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself, and I'm very intrigued, and oh my, this soup's delicious, isn't it? Jeff, our kid is at the front door, and you have to go let him in. <laughs> Don't cut that. Don't cut it. <laughs> Keep it all. Our son is outside, and it hailed yesterday. <laughs> it's gonna rain. <laughs> Can, I could see him on the rig. Mm, He's nice. just standing out there. <laughs> Poor Beck. We got a new car. And so Beckett got relegated to outside now, which he was like, oh, man, I love the garage. I'm like, no teenager in the history of the world got to park in the garage. You don't even, you got it a couple of months. And so you have no idea how lucky you are. You can park in the garage like if you had a car and also your parents did and they went out of town. Yeah, something like that. That was your vacation. No, that's it. My family never had a garage because we're all hoarders. (laughs) (laughs) You say you are used to being a hostess as part of your husband's work? Yes, it's an integral part of your life when you are the wife of a... Oh, but then I forgot we're not supposed to say who we really are, though, heavens to Betsy, I don't know why. Don't you? I know who you are. Aren't you going to tell us? How do you know who I am? I work in Washington, too. Washington? So you're a politician's wife? Yes, I, I am. This is where the clue begins cluing. <laughs> Let's talk about... Uh... Eileen Brennan, real quick. Another Academy Award nominee uh, for Private Benjamin, 1980. Oh, she, and she, that was the one movie I was going to bring up to her performance in that. No. Goldie Hawn is right, the star of that movie, but like you're in it for Eileen yeah. Brennan. She's so good. Iconic. Multiple Emmy nominations uh, across uh, shows. Got one for Will and Grace, one for 30 something, one for New Heart, and one for Taxi. God, I forgot about Will yeah. and Grace. Yeah, Will and Grace. Man, she's so good in that. She also was in the um, one of the few VHS tapes or just movies that my grandmother owned. She was in the film adaptation of um, uh, Pippi Longstockings. Oh, sure. That book. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a film version of that, yeah. and she's in that. Yep. There you go. She also played the like crazy old neighbor. My 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 folks watched the. The, the series Seventh Heaven on the mm-hmm. WB. Yep. Not a particularly great show, but she was like a crazy old neighbor that yeah. they, the, the son befriends. And she's the only thing that I actively <laughs> remember from having watched that garbage television show. Which, also, Richard Lewis was in it, hilariously <laughs> enough. Like, 
show about Jesus. Here's Richard Lewis. <laughs> Thoughts on Peacock, Kelly? Uh-huh. Well, I'm going every time I'm going to just hit back to the the jobs. So it actually is very much a job to be the spouse of a government official. I think that that becomes its own job. So I think that's interesting. And she's the wife of a U.S. senator. Yeah, we've all seen First Wives Club. That shit is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I really I really do think like for, for anyone now, you know, you've got the first gentleman. Second gentleman, I think. Second gentleman. Thank you, the second gentleman. So I think, you know, that's, it is just its own job. And what's interesting about her is she's, she herself is a politician and you can feel it at all times. So she's just coming out as a politician. There was nothing wrong with that. This was fine to do. But also I covered up my husband's scandal because we have to save face. And that is her, her motivation is, is saving face. And she, I think she has a uniquely difficult role being an older woman among all of these young women in the cast um and she doesn't play it like a grandma which is excellent but she does play it with all of the decorum expected of a senator's wife right she thinks certain things are gross or too far or she gets kind of fainty about things that aren't going to you know that are just not classy and so her her image her embracing of the image i think is really important she rambles on at dinner to get conversation going because that's what you're supposed to do at a state dinner. You're supposed to be the one that keeps conversation going and it should be polite and, and it should be specific. And so I think she's she's a very interesting character in the fact that she has defined everything about herself from her politician husband, thereby making her a politician. And she's never not political in these spaces one other kind of clue I think is interesting. I, I actually think it's very surprising that they make her one of the possible endings. I don't feel like they set her up enough as an interesting character to be one of the possible endings. But when they do, she seems to be at least temporarily duped by their promises and well wishes. And they sing to her for she's a jolly good fellow. Like that kind of fluffing up of her ego and her persona appeals to her enough for them to think this is how we get her out the door without her shooting any of us we sing to her for she's a jolly good fellow and I thought that was so interesting that she's like no one else is is I don't I, I'm trying to think of a better verb but like fluff upable or or stroke your ego in the way that Miss Peacock is in order to get her to she to respond to the politician she wants to be Daniel I feel like so most of what I thought about this character, Jeff, like you said, did come out of that, like that first three minutes of her, you you get almost everything I think you need to know about her. And it's that like, not only does she feel like it's her responsibility, it also feels like it is her need to host that dinner, to manage that room, to set the tone for that room, to get everybody comfortable, to kind of to kind of get that thing, to kind of say, well, I realize that these are the rules, but if I was hosting this party, we would be telling about what we all do because I'm almost saying it, but apparently we're not supposed to say it. I don't know why. Like just that, like that's such a specific person. And it's I would be the best one to be in charge of this, but apparently I'm not. So whatever. But also it's stupid that I'm not. Um, the status and public perception seems to be the most 
important, valuable thing to her, which is why singing She's a Jolly Good Fellow to her really works because mm-hmm. because she does want to be that important. And, and oh, by you doing that and allowing me to leave, you realize how important that I am. To, to this thank you and then even when the even though it's not the ending the 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 bible salesman then coming back as the cop and saying i told you the end was near that's a great joke mm-hmm. and the first thing out of her mouth is but i'm a senator's wife um mm-hmm. and then the other thing i really thought about her is that she is like transparently dishonest all in the service of status. So she's re, you to know, the she's point sort of, where she doesn't even know she's dishonest right, anymore and she doesn't right. care. She's pearl clutching at socialism. She's disgusted yeah. by Mr. Green potentially being gay. She cannot believe what uh, Colonel Mustard would sell government secrets. She's repulsed by what, well, you know, by Miss Scarlet. And it's, well, I certainly would never do this. And there's no way you can catch me and whatever. It's like, lady, we're all here because we're being blackmailed. What is it about that? What is it about that you don't realize? And I, I think that's. Um, it's yeah. It feels like all status, like a need to be in control and status. Piggyback on some of that. Um, I think the the fact that she's the one that jumps in, she's the one to do the work. She wants to set the tone. All of that I think is important. I think she is spinning in this scene because she feels uncomfortable though, and and this is how it's being expressed. Her feeling uncomfortable, but the primary for this character I think is her judgmentalism, which consistently pops up. But when other people judge her or when other people elevate the fact that she's being blackmailed, she's incredibly sensitive to being judged. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's how it could have happened. What really, what really happened was this. What really went down. <laughs> I, I also see her spinning out in that in that conversation. I, I think that conversation is really that her her little dinner monologue is really important to understand who she is. Um, but the the way that she sort of identifies herself, I think, is always important by proxy. Uh, it's it's not that she is important. It's that she is a senator's wife. It's that her husband is important. Therefore, she is important by proxy, and um, yeah. and and even the 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 sort of rambling of that is like how do you how do you play the good host? How do you do what's necessary in this space to make other people feel welcome? Part of that is by you know ramping up the conversation and and like her her natural hostess capabilities coming out in that space it seems so awkward mainly because everyone else is so quiet like no one has any idea what's going on and it seems like like she is rambling but but like a good host sets the table and it feels like that Mad Men thing of like, you know, your husband is in charge at work and everything else but you run the home right. and the social right. aspects of it yes all. yeah the uh, important by proxy and the consummate host. That's what she seems to be to me. And and part of being a good host or part of her role in in being important by proxy and being a, 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 a host in an, in an important place like being a senator's wife, that means that she has all kinds of people coming to her house and, and she is constantly entertaining them. And part of how you behave when you are at that echelon of society is by um, being sort of grossed out by um, by people like Miss Scarlet and like like I'm I I need to distance myself from you because I am at this level and you're you're 
not. Mm-hmm. Those are our characters, and they're off. Well, we're going to release into this movie. Uh, all the characters are in place. Obviously, uh, well, let's do this. We will uh, let's put our preliminary typing list on the table. Uh, let this be the landing place, and then uh, we'll pick it up next time. For those of you who haven't seen Clue, we're not spoiling. Well, I guess we have spoiled everything we've been talking no, about the end quite a bit. Literally all of it. It's spoiled. <laughs> it's spoiled. Everybody's a murderer. Like. <laughs> well, T. TJ and I will give the uh, initial. Here's our Enneagram thoughts, and then Daniel and Kelly, if you want to jump in, I would love. I would love we'll, to hear. We'll just make fun of you guys. <laughs> We're here to do that, but I, I got nothing in terms of <laughs> typing thoughts. But. Let's take the the order uh, backwards, or not backwards. We'll take the order from what we started with. Uh, started with Wadsworth. TJ, who you got? What what type you got? Wadsworth as? I feel like I could equally argue Wadsworth as a five or a nine. Ooh, I got Wadsworth as a three, given the last ending, or a one if there is no last ending. Five or a nine? I say, I say one. I was on the on board with the one, but as I've said before, I'm cutting out all the endings. Right. right. The again, not being any type of an expert whatsoever, but the 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 insistence on an ideal way all the things can go does feel very much like a lot of the ones I know. It's my only insight into that. That's a. I'm gonna have to think of him as a withdrawn character. That w- that didn't strike me there. He's a dude. He's a butler. He's uh, there. No, there he's you not. Go. He's a murderer <laughs> and a blackmailer <laughs> who's pretending to be a butler. People can be lots of things, TJ. <laughs> well, TJ, you said you didn't. The next character is Yvette, but you're gonna go with with no no type on that one. Yeah, nothing. I have nothing to say about Yvette because we have no idea who she actually is. We've talked quite a bit yeah. about villainous number twos. Uh, that is that uh, somebody who's second in command, and that 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 Enneagram six uh, is commonly that character, and so, and that's where I would go with her. She she shows again the recklessness at times like a, a six might, and there's a lot of fear in her language of not wanting to go upstairs I, and the rest. Mm-hmm. I didn't say this earlier, but the, the, the observation that it's a reckless move to grab the gun and shoot out the lock, I don't agree with that at all. Huh? Like, Stupid, maybe. You have maybe, to know but, that that, it, yeah, yeah. it's dumb, but like, it's calculated she knows that and the, skillful. Right, I was going to say, she knows that the gun is there. She goes and gets it. She knows she's a good enough shot to shoot the lock off of a door. Because she does it. Seems reckless to fire a gun at a door behind which are two human beings. Or you don't care, and you know you can do it. And that's how that read to me. Yeah. Again, I, mm, but it, 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 I don't know that it read as reckless to me. But but how many shots did she fire? Just one plus, one two. plus two plus, plus two one plus one. Plus one. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of during that scene was, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> 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 Well, let's. I'll think on that. I'll uh, revisit that. That's a good place <laughs> to, to to think. Third character is Colonel Mustard. Uh, what you got, Colonel Mustard? As teach seven. Got him as a seven. I have him as a six. We're both in the head triad. Yeah. Same. So, so lots of fear with that character, and you're going with aggression there. Yeah. 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 The the the. I'll be the one who who is is the MC kind of but but not like in a uh, take charge kind of way in a almost a little bit more of a um let other people enjoy themselves kind of way. 
Mine is that uh, so much anxiety and the questioning of authority when in his conversations with Wadsworth, it's just all all not being very comfortable mm -hmm. with Wadsworth driving the ship or making sure. And then when he does kind of push Wadsworth aside, it's it's just it's not thought out well. Sure. Uh, and that would be, I suppose, things that go through my mind. You got anything? I think you could have him as those things, but you could also have him as Gene Parmesan. How you doing? <laughs> Every time. I just wanted to see if I could land that one more time. It's <clears throat> good. That was our second prank. Yeah, I give us a solid C minus on our pranks, but an A plus on the way that we talked about our pranks being awesome to each other for a week. Kelly, did you have an Yvette, by the by the way? No, I don't have, I mean, I, I do kind of want to just sit back. I really feel strong about Wadsworth the one, and there's a couple others I have ideas about, but Yvette and Mustard, I don't know. I, I, I put Mustard maybe more as an arrogant five, mm. so right in the middle of the six and seven with you all, but his, his I know how this goes, mm -hmm. fiveness seems Which still real. put him in the... Yeah. So I, I, but I'm weak on that. And with Yvette, I agree. I just feel like we didn't get to see her be developed. I think calling her a two would be the closest thing, but I think twos get so mistyped, especially with females because she's in a servile role. It's like you're two and you're helping somebody. You must be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so I think that's a cheap, a cheap ranking. Um, but I don't have strong feelings on those. Next character that shows up Same. is Mrs. White. Um, I got White as a self-protective eight, and TJ's got her as a four. sexual four. Yep. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about fourness in that character real quick? Uh, the um, emotional expression, jealousy, and um, the... Uh, like I was talking about before, like trying to draw people in by uh, by stepping back in a way, like that. Th those were those are big things for me. She's also the, the I also thought darkest yeah. of all the characters in a sense of like like literally she's wearing black, but but it seems like she is more comfortable talking about things like death than anyone else. As a four, I don't disagree with any of that. <laughs> like that actually, I'm like yeah, yeah. except for the not having an ease with discussing things that you hate because I find that to be unbelievably easy <laughs> as a four. She, she is most of the time, but when it comes to a vet, she's so overcome oh. with her hatred gotcha. that she can't gotcha, gotcha, get gotcha. it out. Yeah, as, as she, the, I believe I can say the resident group four. You get to be the four. <laughs> I approve of that. I think sometimes people think four uniqueness, like face tattoos and being an artist, but she has a four uniqueness mm -hmm. to her as well. She's not the same and doesn't want to be the same as everyone else there where peacock really i think kind of wants to be the same she wants to blend in and make it work a lot of the others mm -hmm. could care less or are fine being part of the group but she feels like i am not like you all yeah. and you wouldn't understand what i needed to do with these husbands you don't get me right i'm inclined to yeah. to to want to defer on that because i think this these are great arguments and i hadn't even thought of her as a four the obviously the vengeance the anger. Nobody ever does because they don't understand. <laughs> they don't get it. They don't care. <laughs> this is, of all things, going to be a, a similar conversation, mistyping to what TJ and I have done with Han Solo, because uh, I thought mm -hmm. Solo and Eight comes across as so angry throughout those movies, and yet there's something within the character 
the anger is oh, being is expressed. Yeah, and and TJ and I think it solos a four, and it'd be real similar. And by the way, same wa- wardrobe choice with the the white and black going on here. That's a yeah. that's a big stretch. That's a stretch. Uh-huh. Han Solo is in a black veil when they first meet exactly. him at that's uh, right. Mos Eisley Cantina. And he yeah. killed all his previous husbands. <laughs> that was actually the the black veil was the thing that made me think that Mrs. White was a four. Wadsworth ah! describes her as like looking brooding and tragic. Fours would be an angry type if they didn't have so many other fucking feelings. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like they're because fours have plenty of anger, don't they, Daniel? Yeah, and I would actually say maybe this is just maybe this is just me. I don't know. Like I feel like I feel pretty angry, and it does feel like it's there, and it doesn't get it doesn't get thrown off by other emotions. I think it gets tempered by a lot of other emotions. But there is TJ. You probably attested this, right? Like I mean, I feel like there's the anger is like that's a that's a all the fours I know. It's like. Pretty, pretty damn angry like it, it gets maybe lost in other emotions but it's it's pretty first there we of all things just did a set of podcasts on this very topic and the fours and anger ends up being a really interesting mm-hmm. spot is it the case that for there's there's a common idea that some people have a have a deeper feeling that materializes as anger because that deeper feeling actually is so intense that they translate it. Mm. I mean, that's there's there, I mean that's psychologically proven, right? Like anger is a secondary emotion, and to speak for just myself as a four, the real emotion is fear. Ooh, that then manifests as anger. There you go. Interesting. The well, not to re we we spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah, on those. This is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but but I think but yeah, I think fours and anger end up being a, it's a real interesting spot. And in, in, right, yeah, because if you're you know you're afraid you're going to be alone, you're afraid people are going to abandon you, you're afraid you're not worthy of all this stuff, and then sometimes that manifests as like, now I'm angry at you because I'm afraid you're going to leave or you're going to think this of me or whatever, and that's going to get expressed as rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Now I, I have like I'm having like seven more thoughts about that that I'll just I'll text to one of the two of you. Yeah. I bet you know novel i bet you tj and i will both want to say notice how the fear is is almost exclusively relational correct oh yeah and that'll be important that's an important part of that dynamic and then how it how it then is translated into anger that's the only enneagram number i've bothered to really learn things about because because it's the only important one (laughs) well i mean you said it it's nice to hear somebody (laughs) else (laughs) (laughs) mr green uh he got what type do you got, Mr. Green, as, Teach? Six. Kind of sexy. I bounced, again, I said this, I bounced all over with Mr. Green. I got Green as a five, given the last ending, because he's just the, he's the sleuth. He's the undercover sleuth that is just not showing anyone his cards. It's all questions. And, the, and as we are kind of saying, there's that appearance, but I think that motive-wise, he's there to observe. If you don't go that road, of the last ending, I think I, I want to say he's a two, but for I, I I'm kind of landing there awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The questions become for me. He's so warm. Otherwise, he's so warm, relational. Lots of questions, as though his you know is repressed in his thinking. He's not really boasting in either his job or his sexuality. So the the pride side may not come come as cleanly there well and i think that but i also had six the well. the parts of it that are, are sort of warm i i would say like he he is like even either way i could i could go six either way because i, I think that he is 
trying to sort of figure out who's safe and and like like the like the questioning has a lot to do with that thinking repression and and even if he like if we go with the C ending and and he is actually a plant I still think like I I could make a firm argument for the idea that he is coming to this party and he is going to be himself and but it's also a very fearful situation in which he finds that he is more than capable yeah and and sort of offers an explanation as to why he is bumbly and and asking questions and and like insistent that he's not the one who did it yeah yeah i just just to also say i don't actually see him as being that warm of a character towards all of the other characters mm-hmm. and the, the three things i think of is the the you know when when mrs peacock is talking about who she is and sure. his, his he's very antagonistic and and it it's very like to verb it it's like too to provoke almost saying i know who you are and i know what your husband does and then quick to slap her across the face and be like well somebody had to stop her from screaming and then the other one that really sticks in my mind is when when Yvette is asking if anyone will go with her bon d'accord but it is dark upstairs and i am frightened of the dark will anyone go with me i will i will no thank you yeah like he's he's not i don't think he's that warm to that group of people i think six is exactly right even at the end this is when his the big reveal does change things but i think his motivation is safety agreed and at the end which if you work for the fbi that also might be a motive right and so but also you flip that and like one of the things they talk about is why would they all be blackmailed because they're un-american well what is he he is loyal he is doing things right as a correct american because he's loyal and patriotic and the yeah. loyalty part, I think, would fit he's, with six as well. He's chosen a career that embraces mm-hmm. those attributes. Yeah, it's all particularly about. Particularly at this time with, with in yes. the 50s yes. with, with J. Edgar Hoover. Which there were some good Hoover jokes in there, by the way. I'm, I'm convinced that, that was actually well done. I would stick with with Wayne to think through five uh, if on the last ending. But, but I, I always did like him more as a reactive character. Uh, without that last ending, and so that, and I think that fits real well. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet, eight. Yeah, see, like n- no question for me. Like that, that one was right out front, dead on the whole time. I agree in it. That feels very aggressive, and the idea of spending time with that makes me feel really uncomfortable. So that's that seems accurate. <laughs> TJ, since you and Jeff don't agree a lot, but you and I do agree a lot, would you like to start an Enneagram podcast with me? Sure. <laughs> you, can, you can see I'm already very good at creating the opening. <laughs> and you only have to take first names off of you know the literature. <laughs> Jeff, I'm available. <laughs> Scarlet, I thought was the easiest to type as well, and I have her as a three. Uh, but she, I don't, I don't see any reason to think that she thinks she's vulnerable, um, and she doesn't seem like a vengeful person. However, she does. She seems entirely like a reframer, uh, and uh, the shamelessness. It comes out in her ends up being she strikes me as a, a dignified character, polished character. There's a deviousness, there's a smoothness, there's the well mannered side of threes, 
which eights don't have. Those are, and her, I don't know that eights um, bend over for the oncoming car, uh, but I think threes would. And so, like, all of her physicality that we talked about is pay attention to me physicality. And I don't know that eights are necessarily of that sort. I think it's because she's a sex worker who knows what she's doing. Yeah. Thing. Now, as the three, I'm going to tell you, I <laughs> I don't think she's a three at all because she's not really interested in showing off. She's interested in being in control of her life, of her body, of what she wants to do, yep. of her profession. And her. she just lacks that braggy side of threes, which is either understated or overstated, but it's always there. And I just don't see it with her. Um, she seems like in this, you know, she seems like a very healthy eight, like a very self-possessed. My anger is not, my anger is in thinking that someone might come in and decide I couldn't do what I wanted to do with my brothel. That's the only anger I see. She really doesn't have a need to be angry or to control anyone else. I think a three would push Wadsworth right out of the way and tell everybody exactly what they were doing <laughs> and exactly how they were going to do it. And it just would not allow Wadsworth to lead. Hmm. I'm actually, I don't know that there are any threes in this cast because otherwise you don't let Wadsworth lead. We talked about how she was the one who was really in charge. Threes that don't lead from behind though. They don't lead in any passive aggressive way. They literally shut somebody else up and move into this, especially in an emergency. And this is a comedy, yeah. but it's it's an emergency. And she doesn't let him call as many shots as he does. Mm. So that's my thought. I think eight is spot on. And that is why TJ and I will be starting our own <laughs> podcast pretty soon. Look for it on all of the podcast platforms. I'm just going to need to get um, like a... <clears throat> some sort of a food delivery service and some sort of a mattress to sponsor us and then I'll we'll get going. <laughs> I could probably get on that. With that. Or underwear. I feel like that's the other one that yeah, I Yeah, underwear's using. one. Socks. Or some type of quote unquote health food or drink. Like a cereal that's not that's like supposed to be fun cereal but isn't fun. Yeah. Those I'll go for any of those sponsors. <laughs> Teasing this for next time. I think she hates being paired with Mr. Mustard be, with Colonel Mustard because of how it appears. And in her murder ending, the apology to Wadsworth at the end. Wadsworth, don't hate me for trying to shoot you. Frankly, Scarlett, I didn't give a damn. The batting her eyes side of her strikes me as a as, as something that just doesn't seem like an eight would do. That strikes me as as I'm trying to get back into your good graces, kind of. I think it's just because I think it's because she's hot, and you're like that's all threes it, are that's hot, it. and that's I mean, just a logical fallacy. You're not wrong though. <laughs> well, we'll come back around to it, Professor Plum. What you got, TJ? I have him as a three. I could also make a season uh, a reasonable argument for five though, but it seems to me that he is he is putting on airs. Yeah, uh, and and he might have been very very good at it once upon a time but he has since fallen from grace and hasn't really adjusted his attitude yet Ooh. same story with I, I think I, I mentioned this a handful of times i felt like i showed my hands i think that the professor plums is seven the voraciousness of his appetite again shameless um he's always the one who's consuming in this film and uh whether it be women or soup or you know <laughs> his moving too far too, far too quickly through, uh, I suppose threes are efficient, but I, I think uh, like the not being able to recognize that that Mr. Body was 
still alive strikes me more as a seven mistake than a three mistake. Yeah, and I I see that as as wanting to seem like he like he's a doctor. Of course he he would be the one to to check and then failing at it. Like the the most intense scene that that I can think of that he where he seems like he is not in control of himself. Like like he he looks like he's actually freaked out is when he's when they're trying to figure out uh what happened with that like like right. like it's about him not seeming unsuccessful i think he moves pa- I, I felt like he moved past it pretty quick it's like i thought he was dead but oh well what's the next thing sorry move but it's good last one is miss peacock was it, what was Mrs. White? We didn't do Mrs. White. Uh, TJ had her as yeah, a four, four, and I had her as an eight. Oh, yeah, we, we, sorry. we put her back in the entrance order, yeah. not the order. My that we brain circled about it. that through. We were just talking about me. So, <laughs> 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 well, speaking of pride, uh, <laughs> I think that Mrs. Peacock is a two. I really loved the argument that you had for two in our discussion, which I picked up on, and I, I just could not get past the 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 hyper aware of other people's judgmentalism, mm-hmm. which doesn't strike me as as the as a twoish posture. Um, and so, but and and Kelly had mentioned it: the inability to see one's own sins and yet really aware of others' failings. I think that that unhealthy side of ones she doesn't strike me as a as an altogether healthy person sure and so that's that's where i would, I would land with with her mm-hmm. yeah none of these people are they're murderers, <laughs> they all, they all murderers. except for mr green <laughs> he's just a plant he's a killer but not a murderer lethal yet yeah Admi- lethal yet administrative <laughs> <laughs> just the tagline from the most boring james bond movie ever <laughs> well that's what i got uh Last words on on this movie and and the personality types. I'm tired. (laughs) 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 This was great. I love you all. I'm so tired. (laughs) I don't have anything on the personality types, but just on like the movie in general. I think like this truly is one of the few almost perfect ensemble comedies. Jeff, I know earlier you mentioned things like a mad, 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 mad world from the '60s, and and that movie is hilarious. And it it is an ensemble in the sense that like. Every great comedic actor working in Hollywood, either as a stand-up or an actor at the time, is in that movie. But it's like seven movies mushed into mm-hmm. one. But yeah. like this, this and ma- like Clue and maybe A Fish Called Wanda are the two most perfect unso- ensemble comedies uh, 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 spanning the decades that I can think of. And, and 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 I wish more people talked about this movie. I wish it wasn't just a cult film. Like I wish it was at the forefront of people's minds when they talk about great comedies high praise from mothershed because fish called wanda is his favorite movie that is true it's my favorite comedy movie comedy movie my favorite other movie is silence of the lambs those go together don't they no nope. <laughs> you can watch them one right after the other it's, it's a double okay. feature <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh-huh. but i think that that's one of the things that's a little bit of a hard sell to most audiences is you kind of have to have a theater pacing and and that's the thing that probably got it underrated when you have like 
Porky's and Eddie Murphy movies all the way through the 80s, they do not have theater scripting or pacing and people are getting away mm. from that. And this really, it is, it's a theater production on a movie. Right. And so that is probably one of the things that makes it harder to hook people. Yeah, it's writing and character driven. Knives Out, which is absolutely brilliant, is not a theater performance. Right. And this including, I mean, it's so theater for Clue, It's there's one set. Yeah. There wouldn't be a huge change. You could do this easily on a stage. You turn a wall around and now yeah. you're not in the billiard room. You're in the, yes. the greenhouse. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Knives Out wouldn't work that way. Um, I think Knives, Knives Out, Out is a pure Agatha Christie film. It's as brilliant. Opposed to Clue. It's, yeah. It is, but I also think it has some homage to Clue. Sure. Um, yeah. And so just, just throwing that out there, that that may have been one of the reasons it tanked at the box office and remains a cult classic is you're actually not looking for a wide audience you're looking for a theater audience and that's one of the reasons it is so great because they stick to that they stick to jokes that work in the theater and action that works in the theater and big large physical comedy i i totally agree with that last word tj i'm really excited to have our uh the second part of our typing argument because I'm just excited to tell you how wrong you are. Which you do masterfully, <laughs> by the way. The two, the, people, the two people who are best in the world, TJ and Kelly, right here. Your wife and your other wife. Josh Packard, also pretty talented at that. But Packard is good at yeah, it. Three yeah. of you. Packard's good at telling everybody how wrong they are. <laughs> hey, friends. It would mean the world to us if you shared this episode with somebody that you love, preferably those who uh, are big fans of comedies or the 80s or theater or murder mysteries or... Or threes. Threes. Or Michael McKean. <laughs> Lots of folks to share this with. We would be thrilled. There's only uh, five people that have given us some reviews uh, and some stars on the iTunes. Any reviews or stars really help us get this thing rolling and, and going and so that we can do it into the future. We plan on releasing a new episode about once a month as we move through the years. Uh, lots of good movies to, to talk about. More ensemble feel, films on a, on a sheet here on my, on my desk. Right. Just in case I can talk other people into spending four hours on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging with me. It's Wednesday. Doesn't uh, matter. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Circle back to our comments on people telling me I'm wrong. Well, you are wrong. It is Wednesday. <laughs> it was. You'll notice that Daniel kept his mouth shut. The two of you, loud mouths. Oh, I, I ASMR whispered it. <laughs> all Gross. It's Wednesday. Gross. All the links to all of the, our stuff is at aroundthecircle.org. That's why I got. You got anything else, TJ? I got nothing, man. It's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. It's Daniel Mothershed. Thank you so much for all of your energy and work. Of course. And the captivating Kelly Cook. You're beautiful as always. Suck up. <laughs> I'm Jeff Cook. Who you are and isn't interesting. See you next time. I drink your milkshake. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley.